Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guide, your insider's guide to all things franchising in the local area. I'm Blake Martin, local small business franchise owner and your Heartland Franchise Guide. This is the place for advocacy, resources, and education on all things franchising and a great place for entrepreneurs who are just looking to learn more about the franchising industry. Today's topic and guest is all about first responders and how they are uniquely prepared for entrepreneurship. And our guest today is Ben Seaman, who is a business owner and was a police sergeant. Thank you very much for joining us today, Ben. Thanks for having me on here, Blake. Well, it's good to have you along. And as much as it may sound cliche, and let me just start with the disclaimer that this is not a position or an opinion, I just want to say thank you for your service. You were in the service for a number of years, and I get it. You get paid to do it, right? But you made a choice for years and years to do something that protected our community. So thank you. Yes, thank you. That's uh, very much appreciated. And, uh, you know, it was a chapter in my life that I learned a lot of lessons from, but now I'm moving on to the next chapter. So it's, it's good to yeah. be in this position. Which is exactly why I wanted to have you here. More and more, I talk to folks who have been first responders, and even more specifically, in the police force, who have started their own thing, whether it's a side hustle or they jump in with both feet like you have. So I want to hear a little bit more about your background, you know, what made you decide to get into law enforcement, and then talk about that transition. For starters, can you talk a little bit about your experience in law enforcement? Sure. So uh, I have 14 years of law enforcement experience. I uh, did all of that with uh, Lincoln Police Department. Uh, Started in 2007 uh, the week after I graduated from University of Nebraska. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so, so you took a full six days off. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there, there was no, um, you know, time to sit around and think about what you're doing. You just dove, dove right into Academy, uh, which was 19 weeks long of uh, intense training. Uh, they're throwing um, every uh, criminal law at you. You have to read their general orders, understand that works is all general orders is different from police department to police department depending on what the rules are their standards that sort of thing and you're tested on this so it actually was a good transition to go straight from college to the academy because there's a lot of test taking <laughs> and that obviously has a lot of bearing on whether you're going to continue or not with the training right so once you're done with the uh, academy then you go straight into what they call field training um program where you're assigned a field training officer and you're taking everything that you learned in academy now applying it on the street so mm-hmm. you are taking calls for service for the next six months uh, but you just have a field training officer assigned to you that's reading you every day watching what you're doing uh, in the beginning kind of helping you with calls but mostly taking a hands-off role of making sure that you can operate eventually as a solo officer because a majority of police departments now to help spread resources you're a single officer and one cruiser you realize that yes so unless you're in a specialized position that you might have a partner in the car with you depending on that position is you are responding to calls of service solo Um, depending on the call of service you might have a backup officer sent with you but you're expected to operate you know individually 
and make decisions individually and write reports individually, that sort of thing. So that part lasts for six months. And then once you attained, uh, you know, a passing uh, critique uh, through the phases, then you're allowed to go on your own. So it feels liberating once you don't have this person in the car with you, (laughs) looking over your shoulder, critiquing every decision you make to now finally be in the car alone and just go do your thing, you know, and be proactive and go to call service, help people, that sort of thing. So um, that part was quite interesting to experience, uh, especially just proving that you can be uh, dependable, uh, work by yourself, and also be trustworthy. So um, so from there, uh, I did 14 years with Lincoln Police. I had many roles, uh, other from, you know, solo street officer to bike patrol, uh-huh. which I still say is probably one of my fun, more fun years that I've had at the, the police bike department. patrol. Yes. And what that means is it's a selection process. You apply to be on it. It's a year rotation. You uh, interview for the position. You have to prove that you are physically capable of riding a bike. You go through a whole training course, which includes hopping stairs, riding upstairs, hopping curbs, not doing crazy tricks, but just, you know, uh, being able to operate on a mountain bike in an urban setting, mm-hmm. you know, so if you are chasing somebody and they ride up or they run up the stairs, you could literally ride your bike up those stairs, uh, which is kind of a cool skill to have once <laughs> you learn how to do it. Uh, you can apply that in a lot of environments. You can. You? <laughs> uh, so that year I worked downtown. So it's mostly you go park your patrol car downtown. You have a bike rack. So you grab your mountain bike off the back and you mm-hmm. are patrolling the streets on bikes. So, Kind of a an old, uh, you know, tip of the cap to what policing used to be back in the day with mm-hmm. foot patrols. Yeah, where you didn't have right on the streets. Yeah, walk the beat. That's where the the term beat came from. You know, walk the beat because everybody was assigned a six block beat that they would walk and report back on what's going on there. So now you have bike patrol, which is a little more, um, you know, easier to get around, a little faster, but still the same idea is you have a focused area that you patrol. So I went from doing that to I got selected to go into our criminal investigations and do white collar crime, which bank for bank fraud, forgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some bank robbery too, embezzling. So I learned a lot of things about businesses during those three years that I was oh, in there. Yeah. Uh, I worked everything from Ponzi schemes to tax evasion, uh, people failing to, uh, monitor employees who were embezzling money. So that in itself, looking back now, was kind of where I first gained my understanding for how the inner workings of businesses work. Really? Yes. I never knew that. At the time, I really didn't think about why well, I could use this as running my own business. But looking back on it now, obviously, I gained a lot of knowledge uh, from working in that unit for three years. Sure. So... I did that for three years and then I was promoted and everybody knows in military or police work, if you get promoted, that means you're getting kicked back to the bottom of the seniority list among that rank. <laughs> and so congratulations, uh, go down there. Yeah. Congratulations for promotion <laughs> here, go back to the street. Uh, so I got put back to the street and uh, was put in a supervisory role of street officers who are assigned to a team and they respond to calls so I'm there as a resource for them if they have any questions about criminal law or how the you know our standard operating procedure works. Mm-hmm. And then 
the most glorifying uh, position of that job is taking complaints from citizens. Uh, that was, I see that tongue in cheek. You selected your word very carefully, (laughs) the most glorifying. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of in-depth conversations with people who are calling to complain on officers. And it could be something as simple as they were rude to me. Uh, they didn't do this correctly. So, or they felt like there was an excessive force, um, issue that came up. Maybe they got arrested for something. So, you had a wide array of rabbit holes you could go down with working with these people mm-hmm. to the point that some ended very positive, some they didn't get what they wanted. So it right. just, you know, spiraled out of control sometimes with trying to appease them, but also working within our criminal law and standard operating procedure. So uh, learned a lot of lessons there too. So, you know, at some point, you know, we get through. Um, you know, doing those complaints and you just understand that humans are very interesting. They have uh, a lot of different tendencies. Their uh, demeanors are very interesting, especially when we talk about police contacts. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot during uh, that time as being a supervisor. And I did that the last six years of my career. Wow. So then the next step, which is one of the primary reasons I was interested in having you on the podcast is you transitioned into entrepreneurship, co-founder and formerly fitness director for Upgrade Performance Institute. Yes. And I'm guessing the the excitement and the passion about the bike route yes, <laughs> and getting that promotion at one point had a lot to do with skill sets that you're now applying there. Yes, that's correct. Uh, a love of fitness, in other words. Yeah. So I would have to say that I already... I had a love for fitness before. Um, I'm a former college athlete, played mm-hmm. uh, football at Nebraska Wesleyan. Uh, my wife is also a former college athlete. She played softball at Nebraska. So we both had pretty good knowledge of what it takes to be a college athlete, the training right. that goes into that, the lifting. But we really didn't understand the nutrition component of it. At least we thought we did at the time, but nothing was really working for us. And a lot of these passions came from about 2016, uh, she came in to me with this idea that we need to start eating low carb. And okay. I didn't know what that meant, but uh, she just explained, well, yeah, we just stopped eating bread. We stopped eating processed things. And it sounded weird to me because that's the total opposite of what we had been taught leading up to that. But I was like, okay. And, and Jamie's a physician. Yeah, she, yeah, she is a practicing OB-GYN physician here in Omaha. So... It was interesting to hear her say this because she was looking for different ways just to, uh, at the time, lose weight, just feel better. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, she's also a nutrition major as her undergrad at Nebraska. Okay. So it was totally going against everything that she was taught. So, mm-hmm. like most of the ideas that she would come to me and say, well, if you think this will work, I'm in. Let's do this. And so... That's where a lot of our passion for nutrition was born in 2016. And we started feeling better. We were sleeping better, had less brain fog. And so we started thinking of different ways that we could not only improve our own health, but other people's health. And at the time, for I would say the better part of the last five, six years, we were thinking we need to have a facility that does things like this. We need to open somewhere where somebody can walk in and say, hey, I feel fatigue. I don't feel very good. Uh, I need 
help with getting this in order, but I don't know how to approach it or I can't go talk to my physician because they don't know how to do this. Right. They're not nutritionists. Yeah, they're not nutritionists and they're telling me to do things that don't work for me anymore. So okay. uh, we need to approach that. So we were calling it a biohacking lab, but nobody really knows what that term means <laughs> or it could include a ton of things. And so we just didn't know how to execute it at the time. So we kept thinking about thinking about it. And then lo and behold, in the middle of the pandemic, um, 2020, we met our now business partners, uh, Dr. Brad Winterstein and Tracy Winterstein, mm-hmm. who uh, Dr. Brad Winterstein is a bariatric surgeon here in Omaha, but very like-minded uh, with what Jamie was coming up with, with this idea huh. uh, and opening this facility with, you know, you can fix a lot of things through functional medicine, uh, health, uh, diet, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so uh, we sat down with them, made up a plan, and we then got on to opening our concept, Upgrade Performance Institute. So that then started the transition of, okay, this is our dream to open one of these, to be our own uh, business owners, our own bosses, uh, control our schedules, and also, you know, complete our passion for uh-huh. nutrition and health and fitness. So uh, that's where that was born in about 2020. And fast forward to now, uh, we've uh, been an Upgrade Performance Institute since September of 21. So it, it was interesting, you know, law enforcement was, you know, a passion of mine up until then. It felt like a calling. It felt you know, one of the last positions that you could truly make an impact on somebody, Yeah. you know, just on a daily basis. Um, but, uh, you know, this was also one of our passions, you know, being fit, eating right, you know, changing a culture of a food industry that is constantly throwing processed things at you, right. uh, loaded with sugar, you know, that we feel that this is a, an issue that has probably been causing a lot of the current health crisis that's going on right now because of the food industry. So we Obesity, diabetes, et cetera. Yeah, so we saw this as a segue into at least trying to change how that culture thinks. Was it, even though you're moving to a new passion, was it hard to leave law enforcement? Or, or did you know you were ready when the time came? It was a combination of both. It was, it was hard, but it was also I knew I was ready. Uh, mostly because this is what I had lived and breathed for the last 14 years. Okay. And it's no secret that the last, I would say, five years has been pretty tough in the culture of law enforcement. With, yeah. you know, recruiting numbers are down. Uh, the media hasn't been putting out the best message about law enforcement and some of it is earned and some of it I think is unfair. Uh, However, that still didn't matter. It wasn't the best time for people to be wanting to get into law enforcement. So it still felt like a calling, but it also felt like I was abandoning people because I knew what our, uh, you know, staff shortage was. And I just felt like I was contributing to that. But on the flip side, I knew that this was our passion. 
Yeah. You know, and this was something we've been talking about doing for five years. And here was the opportunity that presented itself to go and do our other passion and really feel like we're making an impact for, you know, yeah. the, the longevity of life essentially, yeah. you know, well, arguably both of your careers were doing the same thing, right? Yes. Making an impact in the community and, and frankly, longevity of life in different mm-hmm. ways. Yes. So. so it was bittersweet walking out, making that last radio call. Um, that, that part was surreal. Um, but once I got home, I think it took me a good month to really understand that I wasn't going back to work. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was on an extended vacation. Yeah. Uh, and then it was about month two I realized, oh, it was more of a weight lifted off my shoulder that now I don't have to 45 commute. It, uh, uh, 45 minute commute. <laughs> yeah, 45 minute commute to work one way. Now our business is five minutes away. You know, the flexibility that comes with you know, if I need to go and run an errand, uh, pick up the kids, mm-hmm. be at their functions for sporting events, school right. events, that realization was hitting me at that time. Because I had, as you can imagine, with police work, it's shift work. Mm-hmm. You know, you work a ton of odd hours, a ton of odd shifts. So you're not making it to your kids' events. And in fact, yeah. if you wanted to, you were taking vacation days just to make it to those events. Oh, really? A lot of the time, yeah. So that part was a realization, understanding that that was over. And now there was going to be a lot more flexibility in our lives. Because as the husband of a practicing ob you know, her schedule is, I wouldn't call it crazy, but it can be sporadic with deliveries, you know, and she feels a calling. She doesn't get to decide when those happen. <laughs> she doesn't get to decide when that baby wants to come out. So. You know, she feels a calling to be there for her patients, whether it's three o'clock in the morning or lunchtime, you know, so sure that part yeah. was. Uh, so you being able to be more present with your family is particularly important in that environment. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that feels more fulfilling, you know, especially when you put it that way and then actually feeling it. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. Can you tell you, you spoke to it a moment ago, but can you talk a little bit more about um, transferable skills? So. What did you learn in law enforcement that has been a benefit to you as you've jumped into entrepreneurship and you're running your own small business? Sure. So the last six years of my career, I was uh, the sergeant rank and uh, sergeants can serve multiple roles within a police department, depending on what their assignments are. But my particular assignment was supervising street officers on a street team. And so, uh, some of those skills that would come in are, you know, you learn uh, as a as a leader of that particular team, leadership skills that you could bring over to uh, the business part of it. So if you're yeah. employees within your business, uh, you learn those leadership techniques. Uh, training was a big thing within the police department for obvious reasons. Uh, you have to stay up on current sure. data, current trends. And so that would uh, transfer over to even the private workplace because, you know, in the business world, things are ever changing depending on the space you're in, especially with health and fitness. So it's uh, already ingrained in me to keep up on those sorts of things uh, within the private sector, health and fitness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, also uh, this is something 
until we got into private business and think about these either with, you know, just budgets, like learning how to budget money. <laughs> right. Even as a supervisor, one of our main uh, duties was to keep track of the payroll sheet. So the officers that would work on a particular team, mm-hmm. they, you know, come in and they work an 80 hour work week. They get paid every two weeks. It was the supervisor's responsibility to keep track of all that stuff uh, on sure. the team. And then it got sent to accounting so they could get paid. So it was, it was interesting at first when they were explaining that to me, is like, I, why do I have to keep track of this? We have an accounting department, but now I'm actually kind of grateful that happened because right. it, I had to understand, you know, how all that stuff works before it even got sent up stairs. Cause now that's a transferable school I have now, uh, within our own business just Absolutely. to understand it. So I was thankful for that experience. <laughs> <laughs> Any other advice you would give to folks who are transitioning out of um, thinking about transitioning out of law enforcement or, or really any first responder role um, and it, whether going into a side hustle or, or jumping in with both feet like you into business ownership. Sure. So I don't think it's any secret. I, I would say anybody that is already in a position like that, we already know they have the go to the hard work because you don't go into a position being a firefighter, police officer, being somebody that's just doing the bare minimum to get by, right? Yeah. So th- they already have that work ethic. They already have that mentality that they're going to succeed um, because it's a very harsh environment that you're working in every day. Sure. So I would say before you're coming out, I mean, you have to have a solid plan because the other thing people don't understand that are listening that haven't been part of, um, you know, a law enforcement environment, government environment, firefighting environment, you just can't walk away and be able to go back like 30 days later. If you can, however, you're going to start back over seniority wise. So it doesn't even matter that I was there 14 years. If I went back tomorrow, I would literally start over day one. Like I was a rookie. Yeah. Even though I have 14 years of experience. Okay. So coming out, you have to have a solid plan. Like know what you're going to be doing, uh, have that plan set out so that you can uh, understand if you are going to have enough finances going forward because a lot of people are pension-based within that sector. So uh, understand that concept, have the finances to go through, um, you know, get with your financial advisor because that's something that actually I, I didn't do before I came out, but I also knew what my benefit was going to be once I turned a certain age. So being prepared to understand once your benefit comes through and pension wise, are you going to be living off that? Yeah. Or are you using that for other income? And then now the business that you're getting into or just transitioning different job, is that going to become your primary source of income? Yeah. That's the biggest thing too. Uh, And health benefits. Um, There's good health benefits in, uh, you know, police work and uh, firefighting where, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't have to pay a lot for a plan. Now you're out in the private life and you have to figure that part out or you're paying exorbitant premiums. So that's only something to figure out whether you can get on a spouse plan um, or, you know, if you're going to go out in the marketplace and buy your own. Right. Uh, that's a significant cost to mm-hmm. So to you got a budget for that. Right. Yeah. So, and... The other part I would say is, 
you know, you're so used to regimented life of Mm -hmm. shift work, you know, you're going to have a lot more time on your hands now to whether it's be innovative, um, you know, come up with new ideas with your business, but you got to not stay idle. Like you have to keep going because that, that was one thing about shift work. It was, you knew we were going in, you were going to be there for that duration. Uh huh. So you were pretty productive, but now you have all this free time. Now you're going to go in your own business. So I would say that's a big hurdle to understand that you need to prioritize that time and not overthink it. Okay. Uh, that when you are in your own business and trying to grow, because uh, I don't think it's hard to sell. It's just, you know, getting the motivation to go out and do it. Yeah. You know? When there's no specific structure that says, here's where you're going to be and when. Right. You exactly. That for yourself. Yeah. Cause now you are, it sky's the limit, whatever you want to do. I mean, it's up to you to actually go out and execute it. Whereas, you know, some people in, um, in those positions that are in the police department, fire department, it's, you're getting paid the same, you know, whether there's calls of service or not. Right. Uh, so, and they're probably not going to be firing police officers or firefighters anytime soon. Cause that's always gonna be something that's a need. Yeah. Uh, so those are things just to think about that. Okay. So all of a sudden now you're going to have to have that drive to go out and get that money. You know, the more you hustle, yourself. the more secure you make your future. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, um, but no, it, it, it's been, it's been a good transition so far and, uh, I'm excited for where the future is going with us. Well, congratulations on that. And thank you so much for sharing with us today. Of course. I can honestly say, you know, if this at some point helps one, one person in law enforcement or in, in any first responder role, learn a little bit more and feel a little bit more secure, secure about their future. We've, we've probably achieved our goal. So thank you. Of course. Yeah. And thanks to all of you for listening to another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guide. You want to hear anything more about any of the topics we discussed today, just scan the QR code and we'll get in touch with you and provide you the feedback you need. Speaking of scanning, don't keep us a secret. We don't want to be your well-kept secret. So subscribe, follow, and share this episode and others. And we will see you again very soon on another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guide. Huda Media Production.